Take your Bible this morning, let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. And let's all stand as we read the Word of God together. Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5, and start with me in verse 16. Verse 16 of Galatians chapter 5. The Bible says this, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. But, I like this verse, but the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Let us not be desirous of vainglory, provoking one another, envying one another. And if you will, verse 25 again. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk. Walk in the Spirit. All right, let's pray. Our Father, Lord, I come to you in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ, and Lord, I thank you once again for the privilege and honor of standing behind this old pulpit. And Lord, I have no idea why you chose the likes of me to even be here, but Lord, you have. And Lord, I pray once again that, Father, you would use me as you never have before. Father, I ask you to speak to these, your people, through me. Father, that they might not hear me speak, but Lord, that they would hear you today. I pray, Father, that, Lord, the principles and concepts that we find within the Scripture are made manifest today. I pray, Father, that, Lord, you would touch our hearts, that, Lord, through you touching our hearts, that we, as your instruments, would be able to touch other people's hearts as well. Lord, if there be one here today that doesn't know Christ, Lord, I pray that by the time the last amen is said and we go home, that, Lord, there would be a new name written down in glory because he lives. 
So, Lord, today I ask you to bless our service, bless the preaching of the Word of God, that, Lord, you would use it as only you can. For in the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. 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 You can all be seated. I'd like to start today by saying that I thank God for my salvation. And if you're saved in here today, I hope that you would say the same thing as well. Thank God for the day that the Holy Spirit of God convicted you about your sin and your destination, which was hell, and that God convicted you in such a way that you knew the only escape was through Jesus Christ. Thank God for the day that he showed you that truth and also the day that you acted upon it and received Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. The greatest day of your life was not the day you were born. The greatest day of your life will not be the day that you die, but the greatest day of your life is the day that you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You change eternity when you accept Christ. Our job in this church, and I'm going to preach it till the day I die if the Lord doesn't come, but our jobs as members of Grace Missionary Baptist Church is to go forth that we might change eternity, winning other people to Jesus Christ. You say, well, preacher, I don't have that kind of skill. I don't have those words. I don't have that ability. Yes, you do. The problem is you're afraid to open your mouth and say anything. Nod your head this way. I used to tell our people, if you don't know what to tell them, just bring them to church. I'll tell them. Amen. It's as simple as inviting someone to come to church. And that's not hard. That's simple. Come to church. Be a part. See what's going on in grace. Get excited about what God's doing. And that's the problem. People lose their excitement. They lose their joy. They lose their drive. It's something that they've just become, can I say it, religious <laughs> to on Sunday morning. When we really need to be here Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, every time the doors are open for a service, the, the members should be here. It's important. You know why? Because it's a testimony to a lost and dying world that you live what you believe. Thank you, Brother Jim. Nobody else did, but you did. Thank you for that. Make y'all mad, wanna? It's get better, I promise. Now look, our life is determined by our salvation. Our future has been determined by our salvation. The night that I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior during a revival meeting, my life was changed forever. I've never forgotten it. Oh, there's been times I might have doubted it. But I've never forgotten it. Years ago, there was an old preacher who had preached for many, many years. And I wish I could remember his name, but I can't. But he began to get dementia and, you know, kind of begin to, his mind began to slip a little bit. And they asked him out of reverence to him one day, there was a special meeting going on, and they asked him if he would say a few words from the pulpit. And he gathered his Bible and walked up behind the pulpit, and he read a verse of Scripture, and he began to give his testimony. All the day he said that the Lord saved me. And he went on a little while, 
And he talked about a few other things. And eventually, you know what he said again, Brother Bud? But oh, he said, let me tell you about the day that the Lord saved me. And he went on a little while and he talked about a few other things. And he got down and he finally said, oh, he said, let me tell you about the day that the Lord saved me. I want to tell you that old man forgot a lot of things. And his mind had slipped a, slipped a gear here and there. But he never forgot the day that God saved him. And if we went around this room today, and those of you who are saved, each and every one of you, if you're truly saved, you can stand and give a testimony of the day that God saved you. Amen. You know, it's fun to go back and relive it once in a while. It's fun to go back and just remember what it was like the day that God saved you. You want your joy back? Think about the day that God saved you. You want, to, you want to get a new outlook on life? You get the, 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 I call it the Eeyore complex. Oh, woe is me. Everything's all bad. I can't get along with this or that. Just like old Eeyore. You want to get past the Eeyore complex? You go back and remember the day that God saved you. And all of a sudden, things won't look so bad, things won't look so bleak, things won't look so sad, and all of a sudden, you'll begin rejoicing in the things that God did for you. Amen. But can I tell you that the Christian life doesn't stop there? My friend, it's just beginning. It's just beginning. Each and every day, the longer I serve him, you know what I find, Brother Terry? I enjoy it more and more and more and more. And he just gets sweeter and sweeter and sweeter and sweeter each and every day. You open your Bible and you read it, you know what happens? Christ just gets a little sweeter. You bow your knees and pray, you know what happens? Christ just gets a little sweeter. You do something for somebody else and you know what you find? He just gets a little sweeter. You come to church and fellowship with the saints of God, you know what happens? He just gets a little sweeter. And you know, that's what it's all about. It's about Christ just getting sweeter and sweeter and sweeter in your life. But there comes a time that we must understand that we walk by faith and not by sight. We must live according to the Spirit, as our text said. Now I'm going to let you in on a little secret. You read your Bible, you pray. You come to church, you put your money in the offering basket, you do those things. Can I tell you, that's the foundational items. That's the basis. That, that's the foundation that we build upon. The Christian life, what did I do? Oh, see how it is? Thank you, brother. Like a bunch of monkeys picking at each other. <laughs> Now, where was I? <laughs> I used to know where I was until I got to where I am. Oh, yeah, the foundation. That's it. Anything else? Am I okay? All right, very good. <laughs> Mercy. Welcome to Grace Missionary Baptist Church. <laughs> Isn't that fun? Hey, if we can't laugh once in a while, what's going on, right? But looky here. So many Christians get caught up on the foundational issues and think that they're living a full Christian life. 
Y'all hear me? Just the basis, the basics. Oh, I read my Bible and I pray and I give. You know, forget that. Go a little further than that. Go beyond that. The Christian life. These are building blocks that we build upon in our Christian life. These are building blocks that we must move upward from. Look here, Grace built this beautiful building and all these things going on, but the first thing that had to be laid was the foundation. And they didn't stop there. Then the structure goes up, then the mechanicals go in, then the drywall, then the carpet, then the roofing, and all these things begin to come together to form a complete building, a complete structure. But if there was just a foundation here, how far would the church have gotten? How far would it go? You see, we must go beyond the foundational things, and we must walk by faith and not by sight. We must take the next step in our Christian life. We must go the next step, one step further. Can I say this for just a moment? Salvation, you all ready for this? Salvation comes with responsibilities. Salvation comes with responsibilities. Well, preacher, what are those responsibilities? It's not my job to tell you. Because each and every one of us are going to have different responsibilities in relationship to our Savior. Because he's given each and every one of us different gifts and different opportunities and different ways to serve our Savior. Some it may be through preaching. Some it may be through teaching. Some, you ready for this? Some it might be simply walking up and giving someone a hug when they need it. Might also be fixing somebody's coat in the back, right? You see what I'm saying? I can't tell you what your gift is. But God will make it manifest to you. We walk by faith, not by... Y'all getting it? Right? Y'all getting it? We walk by faith, not by... There you go. And our faith... Oh, I like this, Brother Jim. You ready? For by grace are ye saved through what? Faith. You know what faith is? Faith is the conduit for which grace comes to save a soul. Faith is more than that. Faith is the conduit that God uses to show you your gift, your responsibility. We walk by, not by. Romans ten seventeen says this. So then, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You know why I believe some people are afraid to come to church? Because you know what they're going to hear? The Word of God. And the more the Word of God they get, guess what happens? Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. More faith comes when you hear more of the Word of God. When you read of the more God, when you read more of the Word of God, your faith increases. 
When you hear more of the Word of God, your faith increases. The more you memorize the Word of God, the more your faith increases. And the more your faith increases, we walk by and not by, the greater your responsibilities become. That's deep, isn't it? We must get in this old book. We must live this book. We must delve into this book. We must memorize it. We must love it. We must covet this book. We must get so into this book that it becomes a part of us. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if it wasn't for this book, what would we have? Nothing. Absolutely nothing if it was not for this book. You show me a Christian whose Bible is wore out, and I'll show you a Christian who walked with God. You show me a Christian whose Bible is torn and tattered and wore, and I'll show you someone who loves God. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For we walk by faith, not by sight. You see, we must walk by faith. We must walk in accordance to the Scripture. In our deacons meeting yesterday, we talked about a few things, and I made this comment, I don't have any problem as long as it lines up with this book. It must line up with this book. Church, can I say this? If what we do around here does not line up with this book, we dishonor our Christ. We must, we must line up with this book. When God saved you, Brother Bud, you know what he used? This book. When someone told you about Christ, you know what he used? This book. When the Holy Spirit began to convict your heart, you know what he used? This book. Hey, read it, mark it up, memorize it, use it. Because this book, this book increases our faith. For we walk by and not by. Y'all getting it? We must delve into our book. Faith is defined as belief, a firm persuasion, assurance, a firm conviction. And the more we live in the book, the more we walk by faith, the stronger our belief becomes, the stronger our per- persuasion becomes, the stronger our assurance becomes, and the stronger our convictions become. Look at Galatians chapter 2 for just a minute. Galatians chapter 2. And look at verse 20. The Bible says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith 
of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We live by the faith of the crucified one, of the Son of God. This is how we are Christians to live our lives in accordance with the Scripture, in accordance with the Son of God. We must seek it, we must trust it, we must love it, we must share it, and we must live by it. Second Corinthians 5, 7, we've quoted the verse, we walk by faith and not by sight. Hebrews 11.1, 1, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. Matthew 8.10, oh, I love this. Matthew 8.10, y'all ready for this? Jesus marveled at the centurion's faith. Wouldn't it be awesome to have so much faith that Christ marvels at you? Did you ever think about that, Brother Nick? We can have so much faith that we could cause our Savior to marvel. We find in Matthew 9, 29 that faith can heal. In Ephesians 2, 8, it's the conduit of salvation. In Acts 15, 9, it's the purifier of the heart. In Romans 3, 28, it justifies. In Romans 10, 17, faith comes from the Word of God. In 1 Corinthians 4, 2, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. In Galatians 5.22, faith is one of the nine fruits of the Spirit. In Ephesians 4.13, faith unifies. And in Colossians 1.23, faith grounds us and settles us. We must live by faith. Now, you want to see something interesting? Look at 2 Corinthians, I'm sorry, 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. Second Timothy chapter 2, and start with me in verse 16. The Bible says, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus, and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already. Now notice this next part. And overthrow the faith of some. It doesn't say you lose your salvation. But what it says is that your faith can be overthrown. When false doctrine begins to creep into your life, guess what's happening? Your faith is being overthrown. When false teaching begins to creep into your life, guess what happens? Your faith is being overthrown. Because you no longer serve the living God. You begin to serve something else that's not true, that's false, that's a lie, that's a deceitful thing. 
And I know Jesus Christ is true and he's perfect and he's honest and he's just. And there is no evil thing about him. So many people today have had their faith overthrown. Can I, can, I, can I warn the church about something? We must guard our new converts. We must guard them. We must guide them. We must protect them. We must stand for them. Because I'll tell you what it is. You ready? When they asked Jesus Christ to save them, they became a newborn babe in Christ. And you know what I know about false religions and false doctrine? They cannot reproduce, therefore they must recruit. That's a deep statement, isn't it? You know what they're after? They're after our children. They're after our newborn babes in Christ. And I, for one, tell them, you can't have them. I will not allow the faith of some to be overthrown by false doctrine and false teaching. The other day I watched a video that a man put on YouTube and what it was entitled was Why I Left the Baptist Church. And I thought, this ought to be weird. So I flipped this thing on and this guy began to give his testimony about how he was saved and how he got saved in a Baptist church. And he talked about serving in a Baptist church and bringing his wife to Christ and seeing her saved in a Baptist church. And as it went on, he began to preach in the Baptist church and do these things. And man, I mean, the guy had it going on. But what eventually happened was he listened to some dude on the radio that confused a local church with the body of Christ. He confused eternal security. He confused the trinity of man. And you know what happened? He swallowed it, hook, line, and sinker, and his faith was overthrown. Our faith is precious. It's to be protected. That's why you must strengthen your faith. When something like that happens, when you hear something like that, I want each and every one of you to be so versed in the Word of God you can look at it and say, that ain't right. That ain't right. My preacher taught me better than that. That's my responsibility is to teach you and train you in such a way that when you hear something wrong, you can look at it, Brother Nick, and say, that ain't right. That's where Christianity has failed. I watched another thing. It was a, uh, a, a symposium, I believe that's the right word, and they had a whole bunch of pastors on the platform, and they were at a college, older pastors, and the students were coming up and asking questions. And one young man came up and asked this question. He said, what is the most dangerous thing that churches face in the next 10 years? That's a big question. One pastor stood up and he said this. He said, the most dangerous thing that churches face in the next 10 years are pastors. 
He said, because today we find pastors that don't know the word of God. They don't live by the word of God. They're not saved by the word of God. They're not teaching the word of God. And he said, they have no conscience of the word of God. And he said, somehow or another, he said, we as Christians have allowed them into our church and into the pulpit. Amen. Amen. The book. You with me? The biggest thing we face in the next 10 years is false doctrine, false teachers, false accusers. And let me tell you something. If a preacher's not working for God, then there's only one other side he's working for. Our faith can be overthrown. But I've said all that to say this next part. You ready? We must, not maybe, not if you want to, but we must put our faith into action. Look at James chapter 2. James chapter 2. And start with me in verse 20. James chapter 2, verse 20 through 26. The Bible says, But wilt thou, O vain man, I'm sorry, but wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac, his son, upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? And the scripture was fulfilled, which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Ye see then how that by works a man is justified, and not by faith only. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out, of the, out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Now notice, we're not saying that you have to work in order to be saved. We're not saying that. Man, salvation is by grace through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. Faith, salvation is not something you earn. Salvation is something that is freely given through Jesus Christ. But if I read this passage right, your faith becomes more and more alive as you work for Jesus Christ. Amen. Now look at here. I want you all to take a look around today and look, look at the auditorium, look around. Look around the auditorium. What do you see? You see people, you see friends, you see family, you see people you love, am I right? But you know what else I see? Empty seats. Do y'all hear me? Empty seats. 
I'm going to let you all in on a little secret. Just a little secret, Brother Ronnie. You ready? You didn't hire me to fill these seats. Did you all hear me? You all hired me to pastor you. You know whose job it is? It's yours. It's yours. And faith without works is dead. I was talking to a fellow I know the other day, and he said something about, about another church in town. <laughs> the pastor talked. And he said, well, you know, he said, that's the biggest Baptist church in town. I said, not for long. <laughs> not for long. Say, why is it important, preacher? Is it important that we build numbers, that we see a big crowd, that we do these things? It's not, listen, listen to me, it's not important that we see big numbers and big crowds and everything else in the church. But what I am saying is this, the more people who come, the greater opportunity we have to make a difference in other people's lives. The more people who come, it creates a greater opportunity for someone to be called to the work of God out of our church. The more people who come, it gives us a greater opportunity of sending someone out of our church to the mission field, of sending someone out of our church to pastor another church, of sending someone out of our church to do some great and glorious work for God. Folks, the strength of our church, and I mentioned this in the meeting yesterday, the strength of our church is not in our numbers, but the strength of our church is in our sending power and capability. Amen. We must be able to send others out to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. But it begins with us exercising our Two people saved last Sunday. What a blessing. I call that a good start. But you know what I'm looking for? I'm not done there. I'm looking for the next one and the next one and the one after that and the next one and the one after that because everyone that gets saved is an opportunity for someone to live for Jesus Christ and someone to go out and do something for him. Look here, Grace. Think beyond our walls. Think beyond the family here. Think what God can do through you if you simply invite someone to come to church. I guarantee you, you think of some of the great preachers, the great preachers that have gone through history. D.L. Moody, his whole work started because somebody took him to church. Charles Spurgeon, his whole work started because somebody took him to church. Billy Sunday, his whole evangelistic work started, why? Because somebody brought him, invited him to church. And we may never know who those people were, this side of glory. But I have to imagine... I have to imagine, I have to imagine, Dee, that somewhere in the, in, the, in the portals of glory, there's a special blessing for those people that invited 
those men Amen. to church. My heart and my desire is to see grace do wondrous things. My heart and my desire is to see God call people from our church to serve the living God. My heart and my desire is so that God will move on your heart so fully and so thick and so great. Maybe even someone sitting here, God would call to do a great work for God. But more than that, my desire is to see our church to walk by faith and not by sight. Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you, we can do it. We can do it. We can do it. We are a foe to be reckoned with because we have a mighty God and a gracious God and a glorious God and a God who desires these things and we must desire these things as well. Let's all stand for a minute. Now, the invitation is this. It's very simple. Very simple. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, we invite you to come and accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. He loves you so much that He sent His, that He came. God the Father sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to this earth to live a perfect life and to go to the old cross on, on Calvary's mountain and to shed His blood for the likes of you and I, that He might redeem us from all iniquity, that He would give us an opportunity to accept Him as our Lord and Savior. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you a home in glory. But it's down to you that you must simply accept him as Christ, as Lord, as Savior, and ask him to forgive you of your sins and to come into your heart and into your life. We invite you to do that today. But the invitation is always twofold. And I think I've been here long enough that you know that. But the second part of the invitation is this. We must walk by faith and not by sight. Christian, maybe you're here today and you haven't been in your Bible. You haven't been praying. You haven't been just doing the foundational things. Today is the day just to get started once again. The Bible talks about forgetting those things which are behind and press toward the mark. You know what? Forgive yourself. Let it go. Christ will forgive you and begin anew again. There's someone that you know that you need to bring to church, that you need to invite, that you need to encourage to come, that you need to talk to. There's someone that you know. And the first step to doing that is what? Prayer. Prayer. If you're so burdened for someone that you just know you need to do it, I invite you to come and bring that person's name before the Lord today. Maybe you want a greater faith. Come and get it. Maybe you feel like God's calling you to do something special. Just come and say, Lord, 
I'm yours. I don't know what it is. I don't know what purpose you have in my life. But God, I'm yours. Before God put me in the pastorate, I thought I was called as a missionary to France. I, th I thought I really was. And I went to my pastor and I talked to him and I said, I said, preacher, I said, what do you think about this? He just looked at me and said, David, he said, why don't you pray for God to send you a Frenchman here? He said, if you can win a Frenchman here, he said, you can go over there and win him to Christ. And I did. And you know what happened? About three days later at work, guess who showed up? A guy who lived in Paris, France. And I began to get, I got so excited. And I began to pray that God would give me an opportunity to talk to him. And I went in one day and I said, hey, I'd like to talk to you about something on a personal level. And he asked me, what's that? And I began to tell him about the Lord. And he said, I don't have time for that now. Go away. Go away. He, it was sad, number one, that the guy didn't accept Christ. But you know what I found out? God hadn't called me as a missionary to France. But as time went on, Brother Gordon, I found out where God wanted me to be. And that was in the pastoral ministry. You see, it's not about what you want. It's about what He wants. It's not about what you will do. It's about you being willing to do what He wants. You with me? So as we sing this hymn and we start to play, if God's touched your heart, you come on. Come to the altar. Come to the altar and pray. Come on. Increase your faith.